0: We are so excited. This is our 100th episode. Yay! Yay. And we have a very special guest to celebrate with. He is a singer, songwriter, best-selling author, and the former lead singer to 10th Avenue North, a band we all know and love. And today we're welcoming Mike Donahue. We'll be talking with him about his new book, Grace and the Gray, A More Loving Way to Disagree. And you're going to be so glad that you're not missing this episode, because what Mike shares just might change your life and your marriage. So let's get started, shall we?
1: Well, Mike, thanks for joining us for our 100th episode. I couldn't think of a better way to be able to celebrate Celebrate, it. that's yeah, right. appreciate this... you coming on the show with us.
2: I could think of better ways, uh, but <laughs> I'm, I'm with myself all the time, so I don't think it's that exciting. But I'm excited for you, 100. That's a big deal. Yeah, it is. it is exciting. It's been us. fun.
1: Mm-hmm. It's been fun. That's, that's our tagline is enjoy the journey. And that's what we want. We want mm-hmm. there to be joy in the journey and mm-hmm. to be able to have fun in your marriage and your relationship. And so it's especially fun for us to have you here mm-hmm. for this occasion. Yes, so, it is. So thank you very much. Appreciate that.
0: Yes. And I have got to say, I am excited about this. Mm-hmm. I love the book. We bought your book. We're going to be talking about Mike's new book, Grace in the Gray, a more loving way to disagree. Got the book here. We started off, we were going to share it. And then I realized, like, I'm underlining too much. You're too slow. I need my turn. And so I'm like, you got to get the Kindle. So we have two of your books <laughs> because we liked it. Yeah. And my underlining, you know how you start off underlining and then you end up just making this whole squiggly lines around the, all the paragraphs? That's what <laughs> that's what the book is is filled with. And I love it. It is super good. But I am so excited to talk about this with you because one, I love it for our audience in particular Mm -hmm. as, as married couples, you know, as counselors, we're always trying to teach more loving ways to disagree. And you know, the number one reason for divorce reported is irreconcilable differences, Mm. which means there's a whole lot of couples that need to know a more loving way To disagree. And so I don't know if you knew it or not, but you did write a marriage book (laughs) as well. So it does apply there, but also like in society, the division, the disunity, the Mm -hmm. different sides and all of that. There are a lot of people that are really stressed out about Mm. this. There's a lot of fighting and a lot of anger and that in itself. I mean, we've seen couples where one is just, they go down that rabbit hole. And they're just angry and stressed and fearful. Mm-hmm. You talk about some of that in here. And I mean, that really affects marriages as well, but just people in general. So I love that it is for everybody, mm-hmm. for every relationship.
1: Yeah. And even as counselors, we, mm-hmm. we learned some oh, stuff. Well, I loved it. Well, it, it actually it highlighted or, or brought to mind certain things that we'll get into. But mm-hmm. even just talking about just grace, just that unmitigated and, and mm-hmm. how that just, just really got um, re-expanded the mm-hmm. way that you your take on that so thank you
2: yeah you got just in your talking you remind me of a conversation i had with my buddy i got a producer buddy who lives across the street and he always goes running when he wants to talk about something Where i, I joke that <laughs> yeah. i think he asked me to go running when he wants therapy and every time we'll start running and he goes so i need to ask you something and he always yeah. <laughs> and for two years he's had this fight with his wife that they've been fighting about the same thing Mm -hmm. and he goes we go out running this is just last week he goes bro I had breakthrough breakthrough I go what happened he goes we went for or we were running he goes we went to our therapist and that same thing that we're always fighting about we we figured it out I went oh well what did you do he goes I understood where she was coming from Oh that no, that was it. He he didn't he didn't say um you know I gave in to her, she capitulated, you know, we we yeah. we decided to uh what's what's the saying like uh agree to disagree. Oh mm-hmm. yeah. He goes I and they didn't they didn't agree. And they yeah. continued to be in disagreement about it, but it just reminded me that so many of us we actually don't need to be agreed with. Mm-hmm. We just need to be heard and understood. Yes.
0: Yes. I I love that. And in fact, I'm going to read one of the quotes here in just a second. But before we get into that, because I 100% want to dive into that. But I love this part. You share a little bit about it in the book, but you also did an Instagram reel on it recently. Mm -hmm. And it's about John being the disciple that Jesus loves. And I think like it kind of, to me, it's foundational to this book and to what, what you're trying to share in this book. So t- tell us a little bit about John, the disciple who Jesus loved.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And the, just the, before we get into that, I would just say, mm-hmm. you know, this is essential. You were talking about how you get, we get in disagreements with our marriages and then our family and then the world. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important to notice that, if you don't learn to disagree with the people closest to you, how in the world do you expect yourself to disagree well with strangers? You know? yeah. Right. And so if right. you kind of look at it as this filter, like this funnel going down, 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 it's like, okay, before I can even disagree with my relate my closest relationships, I have to learn to let God disagree with me. Mm-hmm. You know? And <laughs> I love how essentially it's like John understood. That God was disagreeing with him. Mm. In that, you know, yeah. So I was talking with some guys, and we were talking about the disciple John and how we all grew up believing that John was Jesus' best friend mm-hmm. because he's yeah. called the disciple Jesus loved. So as a little kid in sure. Sunday school, I'm like, I want to be a disciple Jesus loved. Like, Too late, John's John. John. Like, dang it, you know, I wanted to be, Dips. I wanted to be Jesus's best friend. And I thought that way all through college. And then I was working at this church and we did, we were doing something on the gospels and I was reading through the gospels and it just struck me. I went, wait a second. The only place he's called the disciple Jesus loves is in the book that he wrote. <laughs> yeah. And I went, wait a second. So I started going around looking through all pages. Sure enough, that's it. And I started reading some commentaries and people accused John of being very arrogant because that's Mm. his Mm. self-appointed title. But the more I thought about it, the more I realized that is the most humble thing he could have said Mm. because he's sharply disagreeing with how everybody else identifies Mm themselves. Like any, if any of us were John, you better believe in our bio. We wouldn't have written I'm the disciple Jesus loved. Right. We would have written, I'm the disciple who stood at the cross when all the other disciples (laughs) punked out and ran away. Yeah. That's so true. We would have said, you know, you remember John. He was the one who got custody of Jesus' mother. Remember me? Or remember the disciple who's (laughs) faster than Peter? Mm -hmm. Like John, faster than Peter. That's what we would have (laughs) written in our bios. And when it comes to identifying himself, He says, in this is love, 1 John 4.10, in this is love, not that we love God, but Mm -hmm. that he loved us. And he's Mm -hmm. so overwhelmed. And I would challenge most of the time, if if you are constantly in hostile disagreement with people, Mm -hmm. right? Maybe go back and go, where is my core identity? Mm. Because when your core identity is I'm loved, regardless of whether I get this right or wrong, Whether I'm screwed up, whether I'm doing great, I am the disciple Jesus loved. If you can say that about yourself like John did, Mm -hmm. then it opens you up where, um, you know, I I started writing this book and I got so annoyed with the book of Proverbs because it kept saying (laughs) this horribly annoying thing over and over and over. It says, a wise man loves correction Mm -hmm. and a foolish man hates. And I would say the only way I've gotten to that point in my life, because I used to be very argumentative, and mm-hmm. slowly but surely, that's been getting chipped away, mm-hmm. and I think it's because I'm starting to see myself the way John did, and when mm-hmm. I see myself as loved by Jesus, then I get open to being corrected, because there isn't mm-hmm. so much riding on it, you know? Mm. There isn't mm-hmm. so much riding on being right, because I'm left.
0: yeah. 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 And I love that. And I can see that because that's one of the things I think that's great about the Bible. One of the many things, Mm -hmm. but there's like, you're talking about how John, like we know most of us, when we write biographies and things like, like we're putting ourselves in good light Mm -hmm. all throughout scripture. That's not what, you know, these people have Mm -mm. done and stuff, but to your humble credit, you do the same thing in this book. Like some of the stories you share and like you just said, like I'm, I wasn't good at this because I'm, I'm in your camp. Like I, I, I will sway towards pride and, and right fighting and all that. But I will also say he has always been the best listener and it's his ability to listen to me that has helped me heal the most. In that area. And in your book here, you said, I don't need to be as concerned with letting others know I'm right as much as letting them know they're loved. I'm like, isn't that the whole premise Mm. is Mm -hmm. as believers to let other people know we love them, but more importantly, that God loves them. And we're not going to do that. We're not going to get there with all the pride and the arrogance and let me prove my point and how wrong you are. Mm -hmm. Now you feel real love by me and by Jesus, don't you? It doesn't work that way.
2: You know, I'm I'm actually working on a message. I'm speaking at a, a buddy's thing where they, they get all these pastors and ministers together and they just Mm -hmm. give them a refreshment day. So all the, all Mm -hmm. the pastors (laughs) and ministers in the area come and they've got me coming to do a little encouragement concert and a word. And the word I'm going to probably talk about is in second Corinthians one, how it says, "We have suffered with Christ so that we can experience his comfort
1: mm.
2: more abundantly more abundantly." And he says, "We have been comforted so that we can go in comfort, yeah, and yeah. it's really important a lot of us we're just not ministers of reconciliation like mm. Paul had mm-hmm. imagined. Because we haven't, we don't really believe we've been reconciled to God, yeah. right? Well, and, and so you bring that energy into your relationships. You're not at mm-hmm. peace with God, yeah. and so how can you possibly hope to be at peace with others?
1: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And that was really one thing that we're both of you were Jamie was talking about the pride and arrogance. You were talking about the we loved. It's it, it's not I. I don't want to say it's primary. It's the insecurities. I think is what, Mm -hmm. what kind of you're getting to is the point is how deplete we are so Mm. that we have to bolster or, or or bolster ourselves, you know, Mm -hmm. pump ourselves up.
2: If you're, if you're not fully confident that you're loved, you're not going to be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Mm. Or, or or, or when you get corrected, you're going to do what I did for years, which is you're going to oscillate between being defensive and being defeated. Mm. I'm sure you see that in married couples, you know, like, well, she said this, like, I can't do anything right. You know, or she said this, I didn't, I'm not wrong. You're the one wrong. You know, it's defensive or defeated. And the the gospel, I would say, undermines both defensiveness and defeatedness. Mm -hmm. Uh, It undermines defensiveness because I go, wait, I don't need to defend myself. I have a defender. His name is Jesus. Right. Yes, amen. Know? And right. then I don't get defeated either. The gospel robs me of my eorness, right? Mm. I don't <laughs> get to wallow and go oh, boo because
0: <laughs> even
2: right. at my worst, while I was still a sinner, Christ Yeah. Asian. So yeah. that I I think I understand why people are resist the gospel because they love sulking in their defeatedness mm-hmm. and we love you know walked strutting around in our pompous uh, Mm -hmm. defensiveness
0: yeah that is that is so true and that brings me to one of the quotes as we started talking about this it says if we are to love in the gray spaces the places where our arguments find just footing on either side curiosity and kindness must lead the way Our desire to be heard must not overpower our need to hear what others are saying. And our desire to be understood must not overshadow our need to understand others. And this is what you were talking about. And you're like, I know you see this in other couples. I'm like... Mike, I see that in the mirror <laughs> like, you know, it's, because I, that is my, my, that's my first go-to now. I know better now, mm-hmm. but I'm having to override that all the time and remind myself of those things. And, you know, you talked about how, when you were younger, you were always argumentative and kind of bent towards pride. But I mean, you're, you know, we're all a work in progress, but you're not mm-hmm. that guy anymore. But how did you change from being that Argumentative guy to learning how to become more of a listener.
2: Yeah. Well, I got married. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got yeah. married. There <laughs> it is. <was. laughs> and started losing all the arguments. Yeah. Yeah, I. You know, it's obviously a a staged journey. You know, I mm-hmm. talk in the book about the the very beginning of switching mm-hmm. over to a grace paradigm. Yeah. You know, because to to say grace in the gray. You you have to be on a different paradigm. Like it was amazing when I just put out the title of the book. So many people went. There's no such thing as gray spaces. It's all black <laughs> and white. I'm like, whoa, bro. I I don't want to come have Thanksgiving at your house. So I'll just no, say that. Uh, and when I first got on a grace paradigm, when I was reading Les Miserables in high school. Mm. and there's this yeah. like really stunning scene with the candlesticks and everything but then after that jean valjean like steps on this little boy's coin and he's like give me back my coin give me back my coin <laughs> and he, and he won't he won't give him the coin and he he it's hit, he he's hit with this understanding he's just been shown this grace from mm-hmm. the bishop and now he must either let that grace melt him Mm-hmm. And essentially convert to this mercy grace paradigm, or let it harden his heart forever. Mm. And yeah. so that was the beginning, right? And then I got married, and so you're you're forced into constant disagreement. Mm-hmm. And, and and I'd say this too for those listening who are trying to strengthen their marriages. One of the things you got to understand is that disagreement is not the sign that something is unhealthy. Mm, right. Yes. Right. That's a lot of us. You know, you're dating and you just you love everything about each other, and there's this sort of infatuation period where they can do no wrong, and then, you know, you get married and you see them in the cold light of day, and suddenly you start disagreeing on everything, and you go, "Oh, we must not be made for each other because we just, mm, disagree. Mm-hmm. And yeah." I, and I would actually try to remind people that disagreement isn't the sign that something is wrong with your relationship. It's the sign you're actually in one.
1: Yes.
0: Yes, and there's so many opportunities for growth in that. So Mm -hmm. I love that you said that, and I was gonna read this later, but I'm gonna read it now since you went there because I love this so much. You know, (laughs) can't hold back because you were talking about in the book how similarities kindle romance. It's Mm -hmm. so easy when we're we're first together, but then you said falling in love is easy. It's agreement after agreement, but the art of staying in love is learning to love the places we disagree. To stay in love, we must relate in all the ways in which we're different. Simply put, we fall in love with our own reflection. We stay in love by truly taking in and beholding the other. I, I, I love wrote that? That, that
2: was you cool. yeah, yeah, get, that.
0: You way to go, me. <laughs>
2: Yeah. Yes. Um, and you did good.
0: <laughs> it's so true because like this, like a marriage especially is the most refining relationship, mm-hmm. you know, we're so going to be in here on earth, yeah. but we can also be, re- I mean, we can be refined in our marriage, but we have failed to let other people refine us as well. Mm. And we miss out mm. on that refining when we just stake our ground, stand it and just bullheaded as if we cannot learn anything from anybody else. Ooh. Like yeah. that's, Gosh, man, that just sounded horrible as I said it.
2: (laughs) You know, I'm thinking as you're saying that, and this is just fine tuning what we were talking about. It's Mm -hmm. almost like God tricks us into other centered love. Yeah. Right. When you're infatuated with someone, you're not really seeing them, Mm -mm. you know, uh, or, you know, gosh, now I'm thinking I was talking to a buddy, Jason Gray. We're out on tour together. And we were talking about when we're infatuated with someone, could it be that God gives us a glimpse of how He sees us,
1: mm-hmm.
2: like that infatuation period, you know? And then the 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 need for ego comes in. You want to be mm-hmm. your own person, uh, but learning to stay in love in spite of all the failures mm-hmm. and faults you see in that person, yeah. like yeah. it's it's like we fall in love with this perfect image. And then Mm -hmm. God lets it kind of disintegrate so that we can learn to actually love like he does. Where he's like, Mm. I'm infatuated with you, even with my eyes wide open. I see all your faults. It's kind of like, uh, there's a scene in this movie, Goodwill Hunting, where the -hmm. the therapist, Sean, is talking about his wife farted in her sleep. And (laughs) that's the thing he missed the most, was this thing that started as an annoyance. And then it, yeah. it becomes the thing you love about them. So,
0: yeah, yeah. that is so true. And that's what we've talked mm-hmm. before about. It's like, if we didn't have that infatuation period, we probably, none of us would get married yeah, <laughs> right. you know, really? if we knew. So it does have to unfold, uh-huh. but it really is. And we try to help couples with that. Like These are opportunities
1: mm-hmm. for you
0: to yeah. be refined and to grow. And like you're saying, to like love like the Lord does. You know, despite the others, flaws yeah. and, and despite the disagreements, like I still love you. You're yeah. you're still my son, you're still my daughter. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're supposed to be doing in this world, but we are we're not doing that.
2: We're yeah. we're not well, doing that. Well and I was gonna say earlier, you know, being in disagreement is the sign you're in a relationship. Mm-hmm. Right. Um if everyone in your life agrees with you all the time, you're actually not not in a relationship with anyone but yourself. Yeah. And the reason I know I'm in a relationship with God is because he disagrees with me. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah.
2: You know what I mean? It's like, I allow myself to be disagreed with. And and you can probably rest assured if everyone in your life agrees with you all the time, Mm -hmm. you've probably unknowingly created an unsafe atmosphere Mm-hmm. Where no one feels safe enough to actually tell you the truth or what they think. Yeah. Of.
1: Wow. yeah, that's powerful. That's a, that's mm-hmm. a powerful lesson for people to take away from mm-hmm. to understand that. Because uh, I, I was I was thinking when you're saying that that normally. The way we know that it's God and not us is that we're thinking. We, you want me to do what, God? Yeah, I, w- I would never think of that for myself. But yeah, mm-hmm. that, that correction as well is you know that, mm-hmm. how do I know that it's some, probably coming from God because it's something that's asking me to do something I don't want to yeah. do. Well,
2: mm-hmm. we've we've misinterpreted um, unity as agreement. Mm. Yeah, yes, true unity. True unity That actually looks like a lot of disagreement. And the reason I know that scripturally, uh, I I mentioned this in the book, but Paul says in Ephesians 4, which which is the big famous thing of, it's really what I'm saying. He says, speak the truth Mm -hmm. in love. Yes. Yes, yes, we're to tell people the truth, but the way you communicate that truth is Mm -hmm. just as important. Um, Mm -hmm. He also says elsewhere to Timothy, he says, correct your opponent's. With all gentleness, mm. yes, mm-hmm. right. So he's, yeah. he's qualifying that the the posture, the posture and the position are meant to be married, you know. Um, but what was I what was I saying? Oh, unity and agreement. So, in he goes on in Ephesians four. He says this hilarious thing. It's particularly hilarious to me because I've played in probably a thousand different churches <laughs> over the last twenty years, and he says something that I, I just shake my head at. He goes. To build up unity in the church. It's what what he says. Mm -hmm. For this purpose, he -hmm. has given apostles, prophets, shepherds, teachers, and evangelists. Think about that. Apostles, (laughs) prophets, shepherds, teachers, and evangelists. When I've played around the country and around the world, I've been to churches that have apostles and prophets. Mm -hmm. I've been to churches that have shepherds and teachers, and I've been to evangelistic churches. Mm-hmm. rarely, rarely have I been to a church that they could go, yeah, this is our apostle guy, this is our prophetic guy, this is our shepherd guy, this is our teacher guy, mm-hmm. and, and this is our evangelist guy. Why? There's this old African proverb that says, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the reason you'll see these churches pop up with a shepherd and a teacher is because they think just alike. Mm-hmm. And the apostle and prophet guy, they think just alike. And the evangelist Mm -hmm. guy, he's like, let's get everybody (laughs) saved. To have all five of those. And this is what's so funny. I feel like Paul's telling a joke. He says he's given all five of these to build up true unity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Paul, there is no way those five guys are agreeing on anything. (laughs) Yeah. No, no. And I, I think that's the point is what happens is when you only get two of those guys in the room, what ends up happening is very quickly non-essential things become essential to mm-hmm. be a part of that mm-hmm. church. And when you got all five, it it pushes out the non-essential things that tend to creep up when you get with like-minded people. The non-essential things yeah. become way more important than they should. And when you got all five of those guys, you, you kind of can only stick to the essentials because... Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. You're going to disagree on everything else.
0: Yeah. You won't get anywhere. <laughs>
1: you
2: know? Yeah. All right. What can we get solved today? Only this. Well, that's... what. <laughs> What's really come to, to me is, is that, like, I wish I'd put this in the book, but I think a lot of people, especially in the Christian world, they need the tree of their faith shaken so mm-hmm. that the non-essential stuff can fall out. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. And... I think, so there's this really horrible uh, connotation around deconstruction, and I write mm-hmm. about that in the book, um, because people are so afraid to have their tree shaken, and honestly, I would say the reason you're afraid to have your tree shaken is if your roots haven't gone down deep into mm-hmm. Christ, like Colossians says. Yeah. Mm. And yeah. when your roots have gone down deep into Christ, suddenly you can shake, and what you, if what you do is when you really look at like the Apostle Creed or the Nicene Creed, you start to go, oh man the list of absolute essentials is really small. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you'd be shocked to look at the things that aren't in those creeds that you would think that is essential. You have to believe yeah. that to be a Christian. Mm. And mm-hmm. uh, I think, I think it was Alistair Begg. He, he, he told this joke in a sermon where he was talking about your theology needs to hold up against the, uh, the thief on the cross. Mm. Like, he gets into heaven. You're like, so what are the five points of Calvinist thief? <laughs> um, that guy told me I could come in here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, did yeah. you get, did you get, did you get baptized? Did your, did your children, did you baptize? Did you get baptized right. as an infant? Yeah. The, the guy mm-hmm. to my left said I could come in here. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. He, he's, he invited me to dinner. Yeah. <laughs>
2: right. No,
0: but like as a church, we need to be able to, it's a problem if we can't welcome in questions. It's a problem if we can't welcome in the doubts or the wrestling. You know, I mean, there's a whole Mm -hmm. nation named after wrestling with God. (laughs) But it's like, we need to be able Mm -hmm. to ask the questions. And we also need to be able to say, you know what? I don't know. Yes. I I don't know. And some of it, because I mean, God reserves stuff for himself that we're not going to know. And I don't know needs to be an acceptable
2: answer. I I said in the book, the four magic words are, I could be wrong. You uh,
0: made me say them out loud, and I kind of cringed, Mike. I kind of cringed. I read that, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to do it. He says, wherever you're at, say this out loud. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to. I don't want to. Like, he could, they roll and, off his and, tongue,
1: but and I not w- mine. I went,
2: what, honey? What did you say? <laughs> yeah. I know. I know. Husbands, we got to say that a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: It's yeah. yeah, a good point. Well, because, look, a lot of the disagreements, that, like getting back to that idea of the unity, and, and misunderstanding agreement with, with unity, which is an awesome concept, mm-hmm. you know. So we actually see that this disagreement as being disunity, as mm-hmm. being as enemies, right? Mm-hmm. You're against me and not for me because you're bringing that up. And and mm-hmm. in the book, you challenge your readers here. I'm going to read. I'm going to read the quote. Before you see someone as a threat, maybe mm-hmm. take a moment to recognize that that threat might actually be you. Right? Can you expand on that a little, please? Because I think it's this, this continues on what we're talking about.
2: Yeah, that's a big one. Yeah, I, I think um, a lot of us give our opinion to people who have not asked for it. Mm. <laughs> uh, I remember when the Supreme Court ruled in favor of um, homosexual marriage. I remember so many Christians I knew were sounding off. They were just going mm-hmm. crazy and i wrote a blog called to hear or be heard mm. and my position was james says to be slow to speak and quick to listen yep and we go yeah yeah james but this is too big a deal <laughs> yeah <laughs> not not here james it's a caveat here we're not listening and we're going to shout yeah and i think no matter what it is we have to learn to be curious and listen mm-hmm. and if someone feels heard by us, and, that, and that's what I was saying, mm-hmm. if we already have been heard and understood by God, yeah, suddenly I don't need to be heard and understood by everyone as much. And right. so I can be the one who initiates understanding. I can be the one to go, tell me, help me understand where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. Now, da, 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 and I can be curious and kind and curious and kind, and I don't need to be understood because God understands me. Right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then what will likely happen, not always, but it's been my experience that when you posture yourself that way, guess what usually follows after you've been a great listener and curious Mm -hmm. and really seen the other person, they go, so what do you think? Yeah. Now, once I've been asked my opinion, even if I have a dissenting opinion, 10 out of 10 times, it's going to be received so much better Mm -hmm. than Mm. I've just been barking at somebody who didn't even ask to hear what I had to say.
0: Yeah, because when we do that, we're just setting them up to be in a defensive position. Mm -hmm. And so and now we're looking at them as the enemy. And that's exactly how they're feeling. We've placed them in that position. And that's how they're looking at us. And we're never going to be invited in to share truth, to share love, to have dialogue over some of the gray areas, even, mm, mm-hmm, you know, yeah. but it's like we have to listen. We teach that all the
1: time. We teach it all the yeah. time. Yeah. And even, in, in fact, I was thinking when you're saying, you know, hey, Mike, you're your buddy across the street. Hey, Mike, you know what the, the secret was? I read your book. Um, yeah, I know. Yeah. But if, if just even just mm-hmm. if couples mm-hmm. could catch that, right? Because it's all mm-hmm. about relationships, right? We're all relational, created relationally. But if people could just catch that, the mm-hmm. huge difference that it would it make
2: in the relationships alone. Yeah. Right. And, but when, when the affront is elevated, like if it's a really mm-hmm. important thing, that's when we, we get slower and slower to listen and quicker and quicker. And so I, I go back to Adam and Eve. Which, you know, that was the worst thing anybody ever did, right? I mean, you've screwed it up for everybody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Still paying the price. <laughs> and uh, Frederick Buechner points out, it's so fascinating the way, he says, God is the first psychotherapist. Mm. Because when he comes to the garden after they've eaten of the tree, he does the exact opposite of what we do. He doesn't yeah. come interrogating. He comes in inquiring. Mm. Yes. He doesn't come in condemning. He comes in curious. Yeah. Right? He doesn't, he doesn't come in cruel. He comes in kind. Mm-hmm. Instead of saying, What did you guys do? You know, putting yeah. them on the defensive. <clears> like, <throat> like, like he said, He says, Where are you? It's the first mm-hmm. question. Mm-hmm. You know, where are you? He knows where they are. He yeah. lost right. them. Oh, right. right. Said, <laughs> where are you? Now, who told you that? Mm-hmm. You know, and mm-hmm. I just love the curiosity of God. It helps me navigate all my relationships. Oh,
0: yeah, I, mm. I think that's such a great point. That's because powerful. considering like, he knows all like he He knows everything. He not only knows what we're doing when we're doing it, but he knows why we're doing it. Mm-hmm. But yet he will still ask he will still open that that dialogue with us. And and I love that. I think that's that's so great. And just remembering that instead of sharing our stance so much, to just start in humility. And you mentioned in your book too how, you know, humility is a muscle. This isn't something that just oh we decide and there it is. It may be something we're always wrestling in our flesh with, mm-hmm. but we the more we practice it the better it gets. But I mean it takes humility sometimes to ask somebody a question that you disagree with. And so many times there are areas, you know, a lot of times working with with couples, it's the thing they're fighting over, they both have the same goal, they both want the same thing. They just have two different Paths to get there. Mm -hmm. Two different ways they think they should do it. And I think society is like that. Politics is like that. A lot of us have the same goal, but we are polar opposites with how to get there. And even though we may never convince one another to flip sides or see our way or whatever, we can at least earn respect and be given the privilege of having a voice in their mm. life because it's kindness that leads to repentance it's yeah. the kindness of god not that we're trying to run around and get everybody to repent but <laughs> like, that may be an underlying goal a little you know but mm. it's having inviting them to have a seat at the table and have this conversation even yeah. though we have polar opposite disagreements because chances are there is something in that that we do agree on and we're missing it yeah
2: yeah, Paul, I'll go back. To, I'll just keep going back to this two sentences that Paul says to Timothy. He says, God's servant must not be quarrelsome, mm. which nobody thinks. It's like greed. Nobody thinks they're greedy. Yeah. No, nobody thinks that they're quarrelsome. I'm not quarrelsome. Yeah. I'm just right. You know what I mean? <laughs> God's servant must not be quarrelsome. He must be kind to everyone. Mm-hmm. He must patiently endure evil. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't like evil. I don't want to endure it. I don't mm-hmm. want to do it patiently. Yeah. And then, mm-hmm. and then he says he um he must be able to teach, which that's mm-hmm. profound. We all like to run our mouths about things we don't know about, you know? Mm-hmm. Like the pandemic shows suddenly we're all experts on infectious diseases. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And then he's, and then he says, correcting your opponents with all gentleness. Mm. And I researched the Greek of this phrase with all gentleness because it struck me. And it mm-hmm. turns out the Greek means with all gentleness. It's amazing. (laughs) Wow. This is the key. The the last thing he says is really what um, has been lingering in my mind. He says, perhaps God will grant them repentance Mm. leading to the truth. Mm. Now, isn't that? Perhaps. It has this this open-handed, like, maybe. Yeah. And when we get really angry, we're just not carrying that posture. We're not saying Mm perhaps God will do it. No, I'm going to do it. I'm going to convince you. And it's up to me right now. And I love how Paul goes, no, dude, you can take that responsibility off yourself. It's it's almost like God isn't counting on you. Mm -hmm. He's inviting you to be a part of what he's doing. And that's an essential uh, shift that we have to have in our understanding.
0: Yeah. I love that because it is, it's an invitation to work with him.
2: Mm, And, mm -hmm. you know,
0: and I don't think we think about either how much it's harming us as well. When we, we become those right fighters, when we take stands like that, that is a very stressed out way to live. Mm -hmm. No, and these are causes that we have this righteous anger about and all that. Well, that's miserable being angry all the time. And that's what I talked about in the beginning. Like, so many couples are affected by that because, especially in the world of social media and all of that, like we get down rabbit holes and it's like you spend an hour of your day just fighting back and forth with somebody. It's not even making a a drop in the bucket. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like, they're not listening to you because they're defensive and they're protecting themselves. Yep. you know and so it's just all these people back and forth and they're going nowhere and they're leading lives of misery too and so mm-hmm. not only is it the the higher mission of that unity and loving people so they can be set up to receive the love of Christ but it's also for our betterment too it's mm-hmm. like humility isn't just so somebody will listen to you. It's so you won't be miserable. <laughs> you won't be yeah. cantankerous all day long because you've got all right. these, these issues in your head that you're, you're secretly mad about even when you're not engaging anybody, mm-hmm. you're still stewing over things. And I know mm-hmm. it because I could watch something and see one little reel on Instagram and instantly I'm like, well, that's not true. And then, you know, it's like just, it, that's not good for me either to live like that and so we want to
1: patiently endure. yeah you. we want
0: to kick out all those words of gentleness yeah. and kindness and and listening what mm-hmm. do you mean be quick to listen come on mm-hmm. like there's a james 119 c in there somewhere <laughs> that, that's gotta have the, the caveat you know to that
2: and that, and the, the whole point of my book is to stop pointing the finger outward and yes and just really inspect our ability to disagree and i love what you're just hitting on um I write a whole chapter about the fork of bitterness and tell this ridiculous, you know, I tell this ridiculous story about leaving a fork in the the blender blender. and it really did. We hit the, we hit go and the forks rattling around. We didn't realize the fork was in the blender as we were making the smoothie and it bursts out the side of the, (laughs) which I didn't know was possible. I didn't, I thought that was plastic or whatever. Yeah. And, uh, it bursts out and, you know, smoothie all over the place. And, It it just really struck me what Paul says, you know, let there not be a, a root of bitterness. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about that bitterness. And so many of us, we want to have better marriages, right? So it's like, what do I need to do? It's like, what practices can I add? And it's like a smoothie. I'll add some avocado and I'll add some coconut milk and I'll add some chia seeds and I'll add this and I'll add that. I'll add some prayer and I'll add more meditation and I'll add strategies to have a better marriage and I'll add more sex books and I'll add more this, that. And the whole time you've got this fork of bitterness of something you haven't let go of. Yeah. Like it doesn't matter what else you add, if you don't root out that fork (laughs) of bitterness, it's going to come out and it's going to come out sideways.
0: Yeah, yeah. And that story, I'm glad you shared that story. That was one of the ones where okay. I, we were at the pool on vacation. I'm reading that I'm cracking up at this blender story. I don't want to spoil it and all that, but I'm cracking up at it. He's like, what's so funny. I'm like, I can't tell you. Cause he reads a little slower than I do. And, he, and then I'm still that. laughing. He's like, what? I'm like, okay, I'm going to tell you. And I had to tell the story. So I, I did a little spoiler alert, but I'm glad you said that because there was a, uh, quote you had said in here which I love the analogy and I could share it now because you shared about the fork and the blender it says you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies from Psalm 23 5 maybe I'm not meant to hurl my forks at my enemies maybe I'm meant to take the forks out so I can help set another place for them at the table yeah that like that almost makes me cry right there it's like Man, we are missing Mm. what God is Mm -hmm. trying to do. And he wants so much to use us and for us to come alongside him. And we're just right fighting and prideful and walking in arrogance. And like, we're missing the mark Mm -hmm. completely. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah and And a lot of our relationship, starting in our marriages, which we're mm-hmm. strong believers mm-hmm. that anything that's written relational, well almost anything written relational, mm-hmm. should start in your primary mission field, which is the marriage, yeah, yeah, absolutely,
0: yeah, so one more thing, like as we'll we'll start wrapping this up here, you talked about in your book where you were talking about the lessons you can learn from Matthew and Simon the zealot mm-hmm. from their time in walking alongside Jesus for several mm-hmm. years. Share about that briefly, because I think that is a a great takeaway.
2: Yeah, you already mentioned politics, and Mm -hmm. you can't write a book called Grace in the Gray, A More Loving Way to Disagree, unless you're going to hit on politics. Right, right. One of the biggest things that we disagree on, and it's just so striking. It's so striking, first of all, that Jesus Mm -hmm. didn't do what everyone was hoping he would do, which was overthrow Rome. Right. Right. That, right. That's who... So I have a lot of grace for people who are in deconstruction because I look mm-hmm. at the disciples and they were all in severe deconstruction when mm-hmm. they were with Jesus because yeah. he's going, No, I'm not coming with a sword. Mm-hmm. I'm not coming to cut down the enemies. I'm going to let them cut me down. Mm. Like, yeah. What are you talking about? That's yeah. the dumbest way <laughs> to save Israel. He's like, yes. I'm not trying to just save Israel. I'm trying to turn everyone into Israel. Mm-hmm. You know He had a whole different, uh, met a whole different agenda. And mm-hmm. when our agenda is, is the kingdom, I think it, it helps us not dig in our heels of these cultural wars yeah. of mm-hmm. politics. Mm-hmm. And we, we realize, oh man, I, I am for everybody. Like mm-hmm. I, I desire Jesus. Yeah. I desire all men be saved, Amen. regardless of wh- where they vote or mm-hmm. what policies they ascribe to. And I, yeah, that's a striking example that Jesus has Matthew the tax collector and Simon the zealot in his posse together. Yeah, because Simon the zealot would have been murdering people like yeah Matthew for being yeah. traitors against Israel. Yeah, uh, and so that that is a great challenge to us. And I would say, mm-hmm. who's your you know, if you're a zealot, who's your Matthew, the tax collector? Mm-hmm. And if you're a Matthew, the tax collector, who's your Simon, the mm-hmm. zealot, you know? Yeah, yeah that's a yeah. Great, that
1: great. That's a great point. I love this mm-hmm. one. So, all right. well, can you tell our listeners how they can find out more about you, how they can find out about the book? And also uh, tag on to that, if you don't mind, what else you might have going on right now?
2: Yeah. They can go to mikedonahy.com. There's this thing called the internet, which is probably how you're (laughs) experiencing this podcast. Uh, (laughs) So you go there, I'm on Instagram. And then we do a little bit of the other things. So all the things. Mm -hmm. And right now I am talking a lot about this book to folks who like to Mm -hmm. talk about it. And I also have put out solo music under Mike Donahy. I also have music out as a band name called 10th Avenue North that you can check out. Yeah. Out on tour, playing shows, teaching places. So all that info is on my website.
1: Okay. I and
2: we'll it. definitely put that in the show notes.
0: That's right. So, thank you mike so much for your time for sharing about grace in the gray and also more importantly for sharing about the love of christ Mm. through Mm. this book and through your desire to help us all be a little bit more like him so we appreciate you we appreciate all that you're doing for the kingdom and how you're trying to bring so many people with you on that journey and so now to our listener You have to go grab yourself a copy of this book. It is a tremendous book. So you're going to find the link to that to get that and all of his links where you can find find Mike at in our show notes. So go out there and be the light of Christ in all your disagreements.
2: Yep. Find out why nuance is more radical than being radical.
0: There you go. There's your closing challenge. So thank you so much, Mike. This is great.
1: Yeah, fantastic.